Hi sister, welcome to Women's Collective Consciousness Podcast. I'm Ridden Fabrianti, or most people call me Ri. I'm your host for this podcast, also founder of Women's Collective Consciousness, a mother menstrual cycle coach, yoga teacher, and Pilates instructor based in Melbourne, Australia. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the tradition custodian of the land where I record this podcast. I pay my respect to the elders past, present, and future. I also like to acknowledge to everyone who listening to this podcast. This podcast is all about remembering, relearning, reconnecting, and reclaiming the power of the wisdom as a woman and the magic as a cyclical being. We will unpacking the conversation around women's cycle, health, wellness, and well-being. And today we have a really powerful conversation with Heidi Trigger. She's my dearest, dearest teacher and a beautiful woman. So let's dig in into this powerful conversation. Hi, Heidi. Hello, Riren. Oh, I'm so excited and thrilled to having you here. Ladies, Heidi is one of my beautiful, beautiful teachers that I'm really honored and adore. So I'm so looking forward for this juicy conversation today. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, gorgeous girl. Thank you for to be here. Um, so Heidi, before we begin, um, just tell to the listener, who are you? I mean, you are such a goddess, but who are you and what do you do? Who I am, that's such a hard question to answer because I guess, you know, I could say, you know, I'm a 49-year-old woman who lives in Melbourne, Australia, and I could go into that, you know, like I I had a really, really actually an amazing upbringing. My parents are so beautiful. They're still together and they're super, super in love still, which has been actually really um a really beautiful grounding for me to have as a woman and as actually just as a human, as a human being, to have, you know, such beautiful parents who truly love each other and they love us as well. They love their three children. I'm the eldest of three. I've got a little brother and a little sister. And then I am a partner to a woman who is also an amazing woman she's magnificent in her own right and a goddess and we have a little dog and a little cat together and we were also really happy and I think you know like being in partnership with a another person it I feel that it really helps to have someone to look to to see um, and to sort of like show you the way to move into a relationship with another, you know, how, in a healthy relationship, I guess. And I'm not saying that my parents are super conscious or anything, like they're in their 70s and they do their their best. But you know what? They just love each other so much. And I think the love that they have has been the the Shakti or the power for me in my life, really. And they just celebrated their 50-year wedding anniversary and they're just as ha- happy and as lo- as in love as they've ever been, actually probably more. And, you know, going through all the things that they've been through with the three kids that they've gotten, you know, all of the stuff that they've had to kind of um, navigate in their life has shown me the way to be love. And I think for you to ask me who I am, I think, I would really love to say that I am love, actually, and that's who I am. 
Mm, powerful, powerful. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> um, so Heidi, before we also jump in into some juicy conversation, I would like to ask you, um, where are you in the mother uh, on a woman's hood? So as a woman, I have also been through, you know, like the 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 phases that you might go through in a woman, like from the maiden and to the mother, which the mother happened for me in a really interesting way in that I had I've been pregnant twice in my life, but I'd never ended up giving birth to the baby. So I my motherhood was two times and very, very short. And because of those two times uh, as like just really short stints of being like having not have birthed an actual baby, I feel like my motherhood journey has been more about mothering others, like being the mother of many, I guess you could call it. And, you know, I've got a little puppy who's I can hear because the doorbell's going crazy right now. There must be a delivery. He's barking his head off and it's like, that we get what we've what we need in our life at this time because that is there for me i feel like you know the the lessons that i've learned from you know not have not being a mother in the way that i really wanted to be a mother but actually being a mother in a different kind of way has given me or well, i guess given me the tools but i feel i feel like more deeply shown me the way to connect more to community so that's given me the space for that so beyond the mother now I'm into my next phase I'm just like on the cusp of the next phase so here we are on the cusp I'm a 49 year old woman who cares very very deeply and has a lot of time and space for my community because I have the space because I didn't birth a child you know in that way but I also you know, really honor that phase of my life as well, being the mother. And and I think I will continue to have th- that, but use that wisdom in this next phase of my life to hold the container for those who, you know, want to step into their new phase of their mm-hmm. life. So you're just in the transition from the mother phase toward manga phase? Yeah, I feel like I'm almost there in the manga phase. I'm like, you know, like really in it, but almost, you know, that, that transition can be kind of challenging, especially if you, if for me who had, who didn't, you know, have children because, you know, the, the transition's not clear. I guess, you know what I mean? But yeah, the mugger is just hanging out there and I'm like super embracing it. I love, you know, I, I remember when I was a kid, I used to always, because I'm not, I was never like, you know how there are some people out there who just were born wise? I was not one of those people. Like I feel like I wasn't, you know, I didn't I didn't inherently have that inner wisdom. I was like wanted to try everything, wanted to do everything, make heaps of mistakes, but that's what's given me the wisdom. So the wisdom that I have, and I've always wanted to be here. I, it's like when I was little, I just knew that I really wanted to be in this phase of my life to have the wisdom of experience that you just can't have, even if you're born wise. You know, like I've I always kind of admired these like wise people that kind of seem like they were old souls or something. And I just kind of never was. But now I feel like 
I actually have the wisdom that I've accumulated in this body and in this life, in this kind of human experience that I'm having now. And this wisdom is what's the magic. And that's where I feel like I am. And because Marga is like magic, it's like the seed word for magic. And here we are, we're in the magical time. Mm-mm. I also heard someone calling themselves rather than Marga, they use the word boss witch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I love it. It's so cool. I don't feel like I'm a boss though. I feel <laughs> like I'm more like the same as everyone else, but very witchy, very <laughs> but without the boss bit because I don't think I'm really I don't think I'm very bossy and I don't think I'm our boss no you're more like I don't know I feel like you really really have this modern mothering um mothering energy like to everyone especially yeah. when we do the 108 buck day it's just you just there to holding everyone container and cauldron and then everything is just like yeah just let it everything out i am here to holding this safe space just for you to explore yourself so you're really mother you're my mother thank you erin <laughs> I'm, I'm on it um all right heidi let's move on so i was mentioned about I'm doing the Bhakti Yoga training with you. Is it last year? Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, last year. Yes, last year of 2022. Oh my God, it's feel like a long time now. We need to do another one. Um, so for the listener who doesn't know what is Bhakti Yoga and then what do you do there? Bhakti yoga is a form of yoga where we connect to the divine. So we use um, different tools to find the divine basically within. And it's often known as the yoga of devotion or the yoga of the heart. So the most popular form of bhakti yoga is kirtan, where we chant the names of the divine and the, the words are in Sanskrit as opposed to English. And the reason that Sanskrit is used in Bhakti Yoga is because it's a a vibrational language. So every letter in the Sanskrit alphabet, there are 50 letters, and each of the letters correspond to a particular petal of a lotus flower that is within us, a chakra. You've probably heard of the chakras. And there are six inside. So there's the base chakra, sacral, navel, heart, throat, third eye. And these six chakras, whole, they all have a lotus and each has a different amount of petals on each lotus. The third eye has two and the base has four, et cetera, and they all add up to 50. Within these 50 petals holds a sacred syllable. Now, each sacred syllable or letter is one of the letters or sacred syllables of the Sanskrit alphabet. So when we chant mantra, when we chant kirtan which is call and response in sanskrit we're connecting to a particular energy within us very very subtle and delicate but also very very powerful so that's probably the most um, common practice of bhakti yoga but within bhakti yoga there are different limbs and there is the limb of learning and listening and just like there are in um, traditional modern postural yoga or patanjali's yoga as we call it where there are different ways of connecting to that type of yoga so in bhakti yoga we listen we learn we chant the names of the divine we repeat it and we honor it so that we can connect more deeply to it in us so 
you know, so for instance, you've probably heard of, I know you have Ririn, but I'm talking to the Wahada community here. <laughs> Ririn knows it because she's done the whole 108-hour training. Um, there are many different names for the divine, and the divine is the the space within us. It's not something outside of us, but when we say the words and when we chant the names of the divine, we're connecting to these parts within us that um, help us to feel more love, more grounding, more support, more clarity, more creativity, more fire, more courage, more balance. So when we sense that within us, we can actually be it. And then when we're being it in the practice, it helps us to remember when we're off the mat or when we're out of the practice of bhakti yoga, the practice of it, which is, you know, a, con a container within. But then when we get out of the practice, then we can see it in life. So then, you know, when you're walking down the street and you see something happen, you remember, oh, that's how I feel. When I feel like that, that's the same as when I chant Om Namah Shivaya or when I feel that way and I chant Om Namah Shivaya, I then can connect more deeply to me so that I'm not reactive, I'm more responsive and I'm more patient and I'm clearer and I'm more balanced, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I feel like it's really, really powerful yoga practice to help us all connect deeply again to ourselves. And then the ripple effect is that when we feel more connected to ourselves, when you feel more connected to you, that helps me feel more connected to you. And then that helps me and you feel more connected to everybody. Because if you think of your your body and the chart there's another chakra which I didn't speak of and that's a thousand petals up the top so that's not included in the Sanskrit alphabet but each of the thousand petals on your crown chakra they also have their own sacred syllable now in the thousand petal lotus above you just above the crown of your head it's just here all the time I mean you can't see your chakras but they're here they're energy that the thousand petals are connecting you to the divine that's connecting you to you know everything beyond you could, that you can possibly imagine the infinite I guess you could say and if you um oh I've just completely lost what I was going to say but I feel like you know if you're if you're more oh yeah that's what I was going to say that's what I was getting at from here, from the crown to the base, there are seven. The middle chakra then is your heart, right? So if you remember that your heart is your center and that everybody's heart connected is the universe. So if you can imagine there's just invisible heart lines connecting you and I and everybody out there, my next door neighbor, my mom, my brother, my best friend, my partner, everyone. We all have that line. It's all connected. It's all invisible. If we can remember that it's there, I think that's when the universe becomes more yoga united, you know. Mm -hmm. It is so powerful. Um, I mean, yoga has got so many different forms, but bhakti yoga is one thing I really, really love and adore. So you mentioned about um, the mantra, right? It's really misunderstood. Unfortunately, it has been misunderstood a lot in the, uh, I think, with people was thinking chanting mantra, it's like religion. Yeah. And then if I practice yoga or bhakti yoga, and then I need to have different religion, that's what I heard most. Um, so can you speak a little bit about why is it different? Why is that bhakti yoga is not religion and why the religion is not bhakti yoga? 
Yeah, great question. I love that because I also get asked that question a lot. Um, yoga and Hinduism were kind of born at the same time, right? So they sort of grew up together like sisters or brother and sister or brother and brother. And they're very interconnected and often a lot of the practices kind of weave into each other. So if you think of Hinduism as the religion and yoga, or let's just let's just say let's just say yoga, but we'll put bhakti into that basket too. So yoga and Hinduism, sisters growing up together, they then take a lot from each other. So because they both grew up in India, they've kind of got the same mum and dad. But you know, just like brother and sister even though they've got the same parents, things change and shift. And, you know, you grow up and you get through that first phase and then you're out in the world and then things change and change and change and change. Now, the difference between difference between religion or Hinduism, I'm going to say, or even Buddhism really, or anything that connects to yoga is that religion looks outside of itself for the answers. So, uh you know, if we're going to chant, let's say, uh, what's a what's a good a good one to say? Uh, let's go back to Amnamashivaya again because they would chant that in Hinduism as well as in in yoga. So Shiva in Hinduism would be to look outside of yourself and see an image of Shiva and look to that as it's something that is unattainable, something that you can't, you'll never find within yourself, but something that will be able to help you externally. In yoga, we chant Om Namah Shivaya to find the uh, the essence of Shiva, the the energy that is within Shiva inside of us. So we're we're connecting to Shiva, the essence of Shiva, which is pure conscious awareness inside. Whereas Hinduism would look outside and see Shiva as something unattainable that is, you know, beyond what we could ever have, you know. So there, that's the that's the big difference between it. So yoga is also a science, whereas Hinduism and Buddhism are religions. So, and, you know, they also have an amazing place because, you know, the, their connection is also really beautiful. It isn't yoga, though. It is not yoga. So let's just go back to bhakti again and say that bhakti yoga and any form of yoga, whether you're practicing Patanjali's yoga, bhakti yoga, meditation, pranayama, any form of yoga is not religion. It is science. It is a practice asking us to move more deeply to the spaces within that are often, you know, like forgotten, suppressed, um, uh, hidden um feel quite vulnerable but when we bring them out from the inside out then we start to connect more deeply and i'm going to call it to the divine but you could call the divine love you could call it to the spirit your spirit or spirit the universe whatever you want to call it. you could call it god anything you want to call it but that is your connection then to the divine mm-hmm. i love that explanation thank you heidi uh yeah it has been really really uh misunderstood i think yeah. and then a lot of um i think also the yoga fellow that i met they have strong religion and then they don't want to practice bhakti yoga just because they said well it's wrong mm-hmm. if i'm gonna 
practice bhakti yoga and then start chanting to Shiva or Ganesha or any of the god and the goddess, it's been um not you know like I'm not really in my religion because yeah. my religion is staying in the box and then bhakti yoga is feel like for them it's feel like outside of the box and then I can't get outside of the box because I can't get back in again. And then it's again like it's misunderstood, of course. But um, whether you're Hindu, Christian, Catholic, Jewish, you know, whatever you believe in your you know religious studies, whatever it is that your God is or whatever, that isn't that that's completely separate to the practice of yoga, and also completely separate to the practice of bhakti yoga. In that, remember when I said before. Bhakti yoga is a Sanskrit practice and Sanskrit, not religious, is a vibrational language. It's actually similar to the ancient Latin language where the the, the, um, the vibrational frequency of every letter and every word correspond to something as a beingness. So it's not like English where you know, you call something, I don't know, I, I like to use the word peace because it's an easy one because shanti in, is the Sanskrit word for peace. But English in the word peace in English just basically means not war. But the Sanskrit word is shanti and uh, we say peace because that's the easiest way to translate it to English, but it actually is more than peace. It's like how does peace feel inside of you? What is the essence of peace? What is the beingness of peace? What is peace? You know, what is the feeling of it? So it encompasses everything that peace is, shanti. So in, we could also just say peace, 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 which is really cool. Like, hey, peace, that's also really cool. But it's not vibrational. It's just a word. It just means not at war, really. But peace, shanti, is like you can, you know, you can actually just say it three times and you you feel it, you know. Mm. Oh, yeah, I can feel it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, right now I'm also studying Ayan Hai Chai and then we're talking a lot of um, science, of course, and then we also come across to the medical terminology and there is some word I really, really stick with me because it's from uh, Greek and my husband is Greek. It's um, ology, which is the subject of the study and the branch of the knowledge. But if you said just a knowledge or study, that is mean two different things in English word, right? But yeah. when you say ology, it can be pathology, it can be uh, I don't know any other ology, which is it's really just the field of the study, but it's also it's different meaning once you add something into it because yeah. that is just specific. What is the root word and then things like that. Um, and then I think it's beautiful to learn Sanskrit before I jump in into medical term because I just knew it that it's having two different meaning, and then you just have to really feel it to find the word and then the word is doesn't mean one thing is fit all even yeah. in even in english right i mean yeah. like how many that we use i me my and then things like that yes is it mean one thing it's like that's my th my things but 
Also, if you use it like my love, you can't sign my love because really love is love. If you put it in different category, it's also mean different things. So it's beautiful to using a word, but I also really understand the word is just a word to express. Yeah. But you have to feel it, the word. You have to feel it in your heart. So thank you yeah. for that. Um, so you mentioned about we got so many goddesses and goddesses, goddesses and god in um bhakti, really. It's how many goddess and god? Oh, too many for me to count. <laughs> and like there are so as you know, there are three main gods and three main goddesses, and they're connected to each other. And they're the god and the goddess of creativity and creation, preservation and destruction. And this is basically the the never-ending cycle of the universe. So these three energies continuously are moving in every single moment, every millisecond, every breath, every minute, every day, every year, every life, every in, in the universe on every in every state of being on the most tiny little micro level to the hugest macro level so each of these three both gods and goddesses then have avatars and there are many thousands of avatars so avatar is a sanskrit word that means to descend so the descendants of the three top these three you know in the in the top are many <laughs> and you know we speak we've spoken uh we you and I know a lot about them and um but I I guess you know when you think about the the energy of creation preservation and destruction and you can think about it in a big way like you can say okay you'll at, at the beginning of your life you're born creation then your whole life is preservation great and then the end of your life is destruction so that's a big one for you and then in between that you have little ones like you know you you learn how to walk and then you walk for for your whole life and then you finish walking but you you might you're so good at walking that that preservation is just going to happen throughout your whole life and then in that in uh lay it on top of that you learn how to run and skip and hop and jump and do all sorts of other things with your legs creation then in amongst that this is where it starts to get really interesting so the god of the god and the goddess of creation are brahma and saraswati now the beautiful the most beautiful thing that i love about the essence of saraswati the goddess of creativity is that she loves mistakes and she's very forgiving so when you think about mistakes and creativity they actually just go hand in hand and you nothing new will ever happen if you don't do something new but doing something new can be super scary because within that newness it's actually stepping outside your comfort zone and trying new things and to do that new thing you're probably going to make a mistake like if you're a creative person if you're an artist like i know you do those beautiful circles with all the coloring and all of that sort of stuff coloring outside of the lines you know do, drawing something where you know an arm one arm's higher than the other arm and stuff like that but hey can you look at that and see the beauty in that can you look at that where 
you know, the face might feel look a little bit distorted in the photo because initially your intention was to have everything really symmetrical, but, you know, like one eye's here and one eye's here. But is that actually more beautiful than if the eyes were there? And can you see it through a different lens? Can you shift your par- your whole paradigm and go, actually, when I do something that's different and unusual, that's when the game changes. That's when things start to evolve and grow. And then can you use that and make it so that one arm's higher than the other, but that's your intention now? And what does it look like if your eyes are different and everything's super, you know, asymmetrical and nothing's the same on both sides and what would that look like now and then maybe if you flipped it completely upside down what would that look like and you can keep going and that's creative energy it's like nothing has to be like that everything can be different and then using that creative energy finding something that's beautiful in you then moving it to preserve it and this is the essence of Vishnu and Lakshmi consciousness and they're actually the god and the goddess of love as well so it's like this beautiful sense that we're in our heart because you know and then the other word the the word for the heart space is anahata which means the unbeaten sound so if you think about the sound the spaces between the beats as the sustenance, the preservation that just continues on and on and on. Anahata. That is the preservation of everything. Your heart really preserves everything. So if you stay in your heart, it's going to stay preserved. Like I was just saying at the very beginning, it's like my parents' love is kind of what's guided me throughout my whole life. And that's really kind of what brought me to bhakti yoga as well, because my life, you know, I've had heaps of ups and downs in love. I've, I was married for a really long time. For 17 years, we were together. And when we separated, I just went through this whole thing of, oh my God, this is like a new thing for me. I'd never really been single, but it, it, the, the bhakti yoga just kept me coming back to my heart and kept me, re- keep reminding me that love doesn't happen externally if it's not happening internally so you know that that connection to the heart is uh, just I just think it's so important and that that preservation energy will continue to hold on to what it is that you like out of that drawing that you've made with one eye here and one eye here but then you've still got the creativity to move through still. You can keep through it and then you can let it go. You can just, you can let that bit destroy. If you don't like the eye here and the eye here, then you can just let it go. This is Shiva and Shakti energy effectively. This is Shiva and Shakti are transformation, evolution, growth. The only way to do that though is to let go of the idea that everything has to stay the same all of the time and to really just let everything transform. Like everything grow. The only way you're going to grow though is if you let go. It's the only way. So Shiva and Shakti are like, can be scary because an, an avatar of Shakti is Kali, who's like this scary looking goddess who's black or she's blue and she's like, she's got her tongue sticking out. She's got blood coming down. She's got a, a, um, a severed skull in one hand and it's got blood coming down. She's catching the blood in a bowl and she's like, wearing a garland of skulls and like a, a skirt of limbs and there's no attachment, there's no ego, it's all pure love. But to get there, you have to be absolutely free of all of the things you hold on to. So if they if they go, it's okay. She's like radical love here. This is radical love we're talking about. 
And then there's a cycle again and you come back, you let it go and then you come back again, Saraswati. She's going to help you to create. She's going to let you come back into that beautiful force of absolute freedom to do whatever it is that you need to do to create something new and beautiful. Just keep Mm. around and around and around. And it is also like a, well, it's all the human go through the cycle, but I think it's more into also the cycle of, womanhood when we started from the modern and then we're moving to the mother and then we're moving into the maga and into the crown and then again of course if you believe in uh, incarnation and afterlife you're going back into that the nothingness the unknowingness and then you start giving birth again and then into this life again right um and also just our cycles like our cycles that happen every it's exactly the same Mm. so you're letting go you have your cycle you're letting go it's all gone then you're absolutely clear right you know that feeling when it just feels like fresh then you're ready to create again and right there in the middle of the cycle is when the creation happens doesn't it that's Mm. when the baby is you know that that's when the womb's ready for a baby and then Mm. the baby goes and that's that creation but then you know Again, at the end of the cycle, um, continues around and around and around, and it's never going to stop. Even when your cycle stops, it never stops. There's a cycle that's just happening within you always. And then that cycle happens through the whole um, period of being the maiden, the whole period of the mother, et cetera, et cetera, until we get to the crone. And then, like you said, if you believe in incarnation, it's going to come straight back again and you're going to continue on and on and on, and it's just this beautiful cycle of life really Mm-mm, totally totally so Heidi um what is the top tips for the listener if they like to learn more about bhakti yoga where should they start um I think the best place to start is um maybe uh, like download some some really beautiful mantras on Spotify or listen to some beautiful mantras on Spotify and just simple ones is a good place to start even just om because om is the sacred syllable of everything so just the mantra om is a beautiful place to start I think um and then there's some really great books. Awakening Shakti by Sally Kempton is a really great place to start, which is a great goddess book. It's just got some really nice practices in it, tells the stories of the goddesses, which are all really beautiful. And after that, I think, you know, like if you if you really start getting into it, go to some kirtans, um, come and practice with me and, you know, like th- this is just the yoga of the heart, you know. you. I don't know. I don't know. Everybody who does it loves it. You know, you just have to, you you just really have to come with an open mind and an open heart. And once those two things are ready, you're there. Right. Mm, mm. Just try it guys. Just try it. (laughs) You're going to love it. That's it. Uh, all right, Heidi, we're having really, really fun here. But before we go, I would like to know what is the three things that you are grateful for being a woman? Creativity. Um, I think, you know, that's probably my favourite thing. I think be, being the, the most beautiful thing about 
femininity is that we actually get to be held in a container and be the water, you know, and even, even it's like the, the earth, mother earth is the container for my creativity. And I love that about being a woman. Uh, what else? I think that I, I, I love my sisterhood. I think I could not say that has to be in the top three. My sisterhood is like, I think that's probably my favorite thing actually about being a woman. The fact that I get to have friends that are women that I just adore. And we have like a, I don't know, this very special relationship that is unlike any other relationship that I think anyone can have. You know, it's very, very special. Third thing, I think being uh, being able to be a mother, you know, even like I said, you know, I don't have my own children, but I do feel that I, I get to be the mother for others, you know. Mm-hmm. That was really powerful. Thank you so much for sharing. And if the listener want to find you, where they can find you? They can just go to my website, Heidi Tragar. That's all you have to do, .com, HeidiTragar.com. I'm also on um, Instagram. I'm pretty active there as well, just my name as well, Heidi Tragar. And, yeah, come to class, come to, I've got a great retreat next year, Bhakti Retreat. You can come along to that in Thailand, which will be so, so special. And... Also, I have a single coming out tomorrow of a beautiful mantra called Gayatri, who is also a goddess of creativity. And you can check that out on Spotify and iTunes. I'd love to hear what you think of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the time this podcast is released, guys, that Gayatri is already released. So jump in straight away now to find it. You'll see it. It's going to be there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Heidi. I'm really appreciative to having you here with us. Thank you for having me, my love. Sister, thank you for joining us for powerful podcast episode. Don't forget to check out our Instagram at Women's Collective Consciousness for the update of our next event, Women's Circle Workshop and gathering based in Melbourne, Australia. I also have a free gift for you to start your menstrual cycle journey. Check out our website www.womanscollectiveconsciousness.com to reclaim free guide how to cycle chart. If you enjoy to listen to this podcast, please share it with other women in your life. And I always learning, thriving, and evolving. So don't forget to leave a review and feedback. Thank you, beautiful.